Amen. Amen. All right. Yeah, you guys love each other too much. Come on. Calm down. <laughs> it's so good to be here today. We give God some praise this morning. You guys. I'm excited to be here. I've been praying a lot about today's word because it's, it's very interesting what the Lord has put in my heart as we remain standing. I'm so proud of you all because you all remain standing for the word of God. It's been a while since I realized to so thank you guys for that in reverence to the word of God. Genesis chapter 29, beginning at verse 28. Genesis 29, beginning at verse 28. And Jericho made an eye doctor appointment for me. And I see now why. The letters are getting smaller. <laughs> Genesis chapter 29, as I squint, it says this in verse 28. So Jacob agreed to work seven more years a week after Jacob had married Leah. Laban gave him Rachel too. Laban gave Rachel a servant. So Jacob slept with Rachel too, and he loved her much more than Leah. He stayed and worked for Laban an additional seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he enabled her to have children, but Rachel could not conceive. So Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. I want to explain something to you this morning. The subject of today's message is titled, Labor No More. Say that with me. Labor No More. And the focus of this message is to help you get the spark back in your life. Let's pray. Father, bless this word. Because I believe this morning, Lord, there are people here listening online that have lost their spark in life. The problems and the stress and the troubles of life have overwhelmed us, Lord, that we lose that spark we once had. Father, I pray that this message would change our lives. And I pray, Holy Spirit, now that you would help me to teach it. And I thank you for what's about to be taught in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you guys can have a seat. As we get into this subject, labor no more. Getting the spark back in your life. You know, a couple of, just last year, it was just last year, last summer, my family and I, we went to the Keys as we normally do in the summer. And one particular night, it was me, it was Danny, it was my father-in-law and Jerrica. And we decided to go fishing one night. And everything was great. Everything, everyone was having a good time. I was, of course, catching fish. Danny wasn't. My father-in-law catches the little ones. It's bait. That's great. He was, you know, helping us catch bait. But anyway, we were having such a great time until it was time to go back home. And with a smile on my face, because I just spent the night fishing with my wife on the boat, with Danny, my father-in-law. I turned the key, and the engine was cranking, but nothing was firing up. 
I was calm. And so I did it again. This time I held it, and it was a little longer, but nothing fired up. And then I did it a third time, and nothing fired up. It was working just an hour ago, a few hours ago. It was working fine. We were having the time of our lives. The boat was fine. But for some reason, I could not get the boat to fire up. The engine was dead. And I knew at that moment, we were stuck. Stuck in the middle of the keys and the mangroves, filled with mosquitoes. If you want to feel the presence of the devil, be stuck in the mangroves in the middle of the night with mosquitoes. And as we stayed stuck there, I realized there was nothing I can do. It's, it's hopeless. The boat's not starting. I don't know what's happening. I looked at it. I tried. Nothing worked. And I finally had to call the most embarrassing number, Sito. And as Sito came and hooked the boat up and the, the, the drag of shame, the toe of shame, and, every, and all the people in the rear looking at us, and there I was in my little broken down boat. And I just docked it there in the marina, I went home, went to bed, and we'll deal with it tomorrow. And I honestly thought our vacation was over because this just happened in the beginning of the week. We had an entire week left of the Keys with no boat, no diving, no fishing, no swimming. You can't go to the Keys and not have a boat. Can I get a witness and amen? You can't. You need to have someone with a boat or you have to have a boat yourself. And the next day, my father asked me what happened. I told him, I don't know what's wrong, dad. My dad can fix and break anything at the same time. It's awesome. And my dad, and I, I told my dad what had happened. I said, dad, I don't know what happened. It just won't start up. It won't fire up. We're going to have to take it in to be servants. We're going to have to spend a lot of money and thousands of dollars. And we need to do it now because it's going to ruin our week. And I was stressed. I was anxious. And my dad asked me a question. Like nothing. Did you check the spark plug? Did you think that's my plan? And he opens up the, the motor cover. He unplugs the spark plug. He looks at it and he goes, here's your problem. You have no spark. So me, my dad, my father-in-law went to a mechanic. We bought a brand new spark plug. Plugged it in. Started right up. It stuck with me. Because that entire boat was stuck. Shut down. The essence of my beautiful week in the Keys was almost ruined. Because I had no spark. I failed to check my spark plug. You see, a spark plug might look small and might look insignificant, but it was, ignites the engine. But see, over time, your spark plugs can get burned out. They can get clogged up with oil and garbage. And over time, just lose its spark. And when it loses its spark, it affects everything else. 
And I wonder this morning, as I think about my church, as I think about us, as I think about our family, have you lost your spark? Have you lost your spark for life? Have you, do you check the spark in your marriage? Does it feel like you've been stuck forever? No communication, no intimacy, no love. And you can remember a time where the spark was there in the fire and the engines were going, and now it just feels like the spark in your marriage is gone. And you come home to a roommate. Have you lost a spark in your life with God? Do you just come to church because it's Sunday? Do you tell your kids, we gotta go to church today, it's Sunday? Do you sit here and just listen to worship and it's just another song, it's just another sermon from a handsome pastor, it's just another church? Have you lost that fire, that spark for the things of God? Have you lost it for life? Do you just get up in the morning and routinely just get dressed, go to work, come back home, pay the bills, help the kids, but you have nothing in you that's exciting. There's nothing in you that has enthusiasm for what God's going to do. There's nothing in you. You're just thinking that life is the same every day. Have you lost your spark? Because I believe that when you lose your spark for life, it affects everything else in your life. When you lose that spark for living, you begin to affect your family. It affects your relationship with God. It affects your mindset. You get stuck on hopelessness. You get stuck on negativity. You get stuck on boredom. And I'm here this morning after a whole week of rest to tell you that I've come back to see the spark in this church come back. Because I don't want to live a life where I see our spark gone. So we're going to do a little spark check today. The same way my dad asked me, did you check the spark plug? I'm asking you as your pastor, have you checked the spark in your life lately? Because so many people are living life without a spark. You're just, you're just, you're just there. Just existing. You say, well, Pastor, of course I lost my spark years ago. You don't know how hard my life is. You don't know how the kids I have to raise. You don't know the bills I have. You don't know the people I work with, the boss I work for. You don't know the stress I'm under. No wonder I've lost my spark. See, a lot of us think that when we lose our spark, it's gone forever. But it's interesting that whenever God showed up in His presence in the Bible, He came in a form of fire. 
Because God does not want a church that is cold. God does not want His children to be, this is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. Come on, help me preach this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, do, do this. Say, hey, hey, Sparky. Call him Sparky. Hey, Sparky. Get your spark back. Get your spark back. Some of you have to slap them. They're, they're really without spark. When I read about Leah, she was a woman that lost her spark. The Bible literally says, and I'll show you in a minute, but Leah was an older sister to a very hot sister. That's what the Bible says. She was a lot more attractive than Leah. Leah's sister was better looking, got all the attention, got all the boys' number in the chisel. They got, I don't know how it worked, but they, she was the most popular one in the room. Her father would use her to trick Jacob into working 14 years for her. So her father that should have been her shelter, her father that should have been her protector, her father that should have been her confidence, her father manipulated and used her out of his own selfish well-being. Could family do that? And then we got Jacob, the man she just married. And wakes up that night of the honeymoon and says, who are you? You're not Rachel. And there it is. Oh, Rachel. And Jacob couldn't love her. You see, when I look at Leah, the word Leah may sound beautiful in the Hebrew. It's pronounced Le'ah. Le'ah literally means tired and weary. And in the Bible, in that culture, you are given a name often in relation to your character. So Leah, she had a character about her that showed she was just tired and weary. What is the difference between being tired and weary? Simple. Tired is physical. Weary is emotional. You can be tired because you've worked 12 hours at work. You can be tired because you've helped your kids with their last minute projects in school. You can be tired because you've been doing traffic all morning, working all day, cooking all night. You can be physically tired and that's one thing. But I don't want to talk about people that are physically tired emotionally. You can't take it anymore. Emotionally, Leah was tired. When I read that, I realized something that I might get a huge amen for. Or preach it, brother. Or something. There is nothing more tiring emotionally than people. Come on. That's not that Christian now. Let's put the holy card down for a second. Can I get a witness this morning? People are the problem. It's not that 
Work's not the problem. Let me prove it to you. You can work just fine if you didn't have to work with people. Amen? Church isn't the problem. I would be the greatest pastor if it wasn't for people. People are the problem. He said, well, I'm tired because I'm working. I'm tired because I'm busy. I'm tired because of my schedule. When you really look at the root of everything in your life, people are the problem. Let's go further. It started with Eve. When it was just Adam and God, everything was fine. The second another person got added to the equation, everything went down. Be careful. You're... <laughs> people are the problem. Even Jesus himself had time where he said, I need to get away from you. I need to be alone. See, there's nothing more tiring and emotional than people. For Leah, it was her sister that she could never measure up to, that always got the attention. For Leah, it was her father that used her manipulated her to get his own selfish ways. For Leah, it was Jacob, her husband, that wouldn't love her the way she wanted to be loved. What about for you? Is it a family member? Is it a child that is ungrateful? A child that's making bad choices? A child that takes you for granted? Is it a spouse that you give everything to but get nothing back? Is it a spouse that mistreats you with their words? Is it a friend that you were there for, gave everything to, and they vanished? Is it a boss that doesn't appreciate you? Is it, is it an ex that just walked out on you? You see, if you're not careful... You can let the problems of life be one thing, but the people that cause the problems in your life to completely tear you apart. And so many people in life have lost their spark because of people. Look at Genesis 29, 17 with me. Oh, we have no verse now? Okay, let me read it. Genesis 29, verse 17. The Bible says, there was no spark in Leah's eyes. But Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. Notice what the Bible says about Rachel. She was beautiful and had a lovely face. But what does God say when he talks about Leah? She lost the spark. She had no spark in her eyes. And many people have been misled to believe that this meant that Leah was cross-eyed. It really does. If some, some translation says she was weak in the eyes. But see, here's the truth behind that. Leah was not cross-eyed. Because in the Bible, when they got married, they would cover their whole woman except her eyes with a whole veil. Now, if Leah was like, oh, like, crazy in the eyes like that, and the only thing Jacob could see would be her eyes through the veil, wouldn't you think 
that during the night of the wedding, he looked deep down into her eyes as he married her and saw this and said, wait a minute, who are you? Believe me when I tell you, Leah was not in the eyes. She was not crazy in the eyes. She was not cross-eyed at all. That word literally translates in the Hebrew that she lost her will to live. She lost the spark in her life. She lost the spark in her eyes, the Bible says. In other words, she lost that spark. It means that you lose your joy. You lose your hope. You lose that enthusiasm. And see, when you lose the spark in your eyes for life because of people, it's a dangerous place to be in. When you've allowed people in your life to rob you of your spark, you live with less joy. You live with less hope. You're easily discouraged. You're sad. You're lonely. You have no enthusiasm. You feel unworthy. Defeated. Not good enough. You walk around and you're just sad. When you looked at Leah, people saw it in her face. They saw it in her eyes. She has nothing to live for. She has nothing to hope for. She's discouraged all the time. She has let the abuse of her father get to her. She let the rejection of Jacob get to her. She let the comparison of Rachel get to her and to a point that she lost the spark in her eyes. And when you lose that spark for life, you give up more. It's easier to fall into sin. It's easier for you to hurt others because you've been hurt by others. You don't love like you should love. You don't trust. You stay stuck. You guys get it now? I wonder how many of you have allowed the people in your life that hurt you to cause you to lose the spark in your life. If that's you, I have an encouraging verse for you. It's found in verse 31. The Bible says, when the Lord saw Leah was unloved. The first thing I want to tell you this morning, if you feel like you're hopeless in life, if you feel like you've been used, abused, rejected, isolated, lonely, if you're questioning life, your willingness to live, why am I here, what's my purpose, if you feel like you're not good enough, like God can't love you, if you feel like the identity of other people's rejection has become your identity, if you feel unworthy, if you feel rejected and gone and lonely and hopeless, I have a verse for you. God sees you. He sees her. Not only did He see her, he saw that she was unloved. And man, Leah, when your father used you and manipulated you for his own selfish gain, I saw that when you were jealous and envious over the beauty of your sister and comparing yourself to her, I saw that. And when Jacob projected you and didn't love you as a husband, he should have loved you. I saw that. The Lord saw that Leah was unloved. 
And he enabled her to have children. But Rachel couldn't conceive. God said, Leah, I see you. And I have a plan for your life. I have a purpose mightier than you think. And while you're comparing yourself to Rachel, you don't realize that what you have is greater than what she has. She may have all the looks, but girl, you have all the purpose. She may have all the attention, but you have all the anointing. Because through Leah would come Judah, through Judah would come David, through David would come Jesus Christ. He said, Leah, if you would only know that while everyone else is using you, while everyone else is rejecting you, while everyone else is mistreating you, I have called you to a greater purpose. So take your eyes off, Jacob. Take your eyes off your father. Take your eyes off Rachel and put those crooked eyes on me, girl. <laughs> she wants to be Christian. <laughs> I know, Lord. I'm sorry. She wasn't, it wasn't crooked. <laughs> God saw she was unloved. So God says, I'm going to give you a, a son. So I want to, can I be honest? Can we preach truth this morning? Write it down in your notes if you have to. People are not worth losing your sparkle. People aren't worth it. Oh, but he didn't love me. And? But she wasn't there for me. And? People are not worth losing your sparkle. God had a plan and a purpose mightier than Leah could understand or even believe. And he would bless her with a child. But here's the thing. When he blessed her with a child, still no spark. Here's where I really want to get to. You could be in a place like Leah where the Lord is blessing you so much and you still have no spark in life. There are blessings all around you you fail to ignore. You fail to appreciate. Because you've lost your spark. God gave her a son and still no spark. Why? Well, I want to teach you this morning on the three reasons Leah had no spark. You guys ready for this one? It gets harder now. Verse 32. Leah became pregnant. She gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben. For she said, the Lord has noticed my misery. Amen, girl. That's right. He blessed you. And now my husband will love me. This girl is literally laboring for love. She gives birth to Reuben. And the first thing she says is, God, thank you. But now, Jacob will love me. 
This is why the first reason why so many people lose their spark in life. Because you choose to labor for love. If you ever said, maybe if I do this, they'll love me. Maybe if I stop doing this, they'll love me. Maybe if I lost some weight, they'll love me. Maybe if I wore more makeup, they love me. Maybe if I looked like her, he'll love me. Maybe if I had more money, he'll love me. Maybe if I had this, did that, do this, had this, wore that, be this, maybe then they'll love me. So let me go out of their way and let me labor and labor and push and push because once I get this, I know they'll love me. She gave birth to Reuben. She labored. She pushed him out. And she said, look, your son and he wasn't even there he was with Rachel have you ever labored for someone that did not care have you ever got out of your way to do something for someone and didn't even get a thank you and she's holding Reuben and she's saying no Jacob's going to love me. Now that I have Reuben, he's going to accept me. Now that I have this, he's going to love me. Now that I have the job, they're going to love me. Now that I look like this, they're going to love me. Now that I live in this house, they're going to love me. Now that I drive this car, they're going to love me. Now that I have this money, and I do this, and I do that, now they're going to love me. And they don't. And the only thing she got after Reuben was painful labor and rejection. You do not labor for love. Look at Jesus Christ right now. It is by not by works that you're saved. It is by grace. There is no amount of labor to get God to love you. He loves you because God is love. But so many people are working and laboring and laboring and laboring and pushing for love. Let me calm down. I wonder who I'm preaching to this morning. You've given your time. You've given your mind. You've given your body. You've given your money. You've given your love, your affection, your attention to one person. You've labored for them just to hear them say, I love you. And they didn't. You will never have your spark in life if you labor for love. She didn't learn. She had Reuben, was still thinking about Jacob. Verse 33. She soon became pregnant again. You know what God did? Okay, girl, you messed that one up. Leah, I'm... I'm going to do it again. I'm going to give you another son and see if you learn. She soon became pregnant again. Can you feel the labor? The pushing? She, she finally pushes him out. She gave birth to another son. She named him Simeon. For she said, the Lord heard that I was unloved. 
and has given me another son. You know what she did there again? The minute Simeon was born, she talked about her past. Oh, the Lord did this because he knows what Jacob did to me. Jacob. I love Jacob. Oh, the Lord, give me Simeon because, you know, Jacob rejected me. Jacob should have been there. Jacob wasn't here for my first son. I'm his, still his baby mama, but he loves my sister more. And even though, even though I gave birth to two sons right now, this fool is still not here. I gave him everything. And look, I have Simeon, but look, God did this because he knows that Jacob hasn't been here. She's obsessed. with a person that doesn't love her. She's obsessed with the people of her past. You will never experience the joy of God and what He's doing in your present if you're stuck of the people in your past. And some of you, I love you to say this, you need to let that guy go. You are stuck in the past. God is blessing you. God is doing something new in you. God has a purpose for you. And here you are, and all you think about and talk about is yesterday's person. The guy that left you. The mom that should have raised you. The brother that rejected you. The friends of elementary school. Some of you are so wicked, you're there. Thinking of people in the past. Some of you are stuck and can't let go of the people that hurt you. And meanwhile, that person has let you go a long time ago. That person has forgotten about you. That guy is in the flyer right now with her while you're in church. He's moved on. She's got, she's on Instagram showing her, her body around. They're moved on. They're out having dinner. They're out traveling. And you're the one here that's being blessed by God. And yet you have lost your spark because all you can think about is the one from yesterday. She can't move on. She gives birth to Simeon and says, oh, well, God did this because Jacob left me and Jacob should have loved me and Jacob wasn't there. And she, she think, and God's like, oh my gosh, she's doing it again. She's so obsessed with this Jacob guy. Look at her. I blessed her with two sons. And still no spark in her. Because you lose your spark because you're laboring for love. You lose your spark because you're stuck on the people of your past. And in verse 34, you guessed it. She messes up again. She became pregnant, say it with me, a third time. She's like, pop, pop, pop. babies, babies. Babies. <laughs> pop, pop, pop. It's like every time you saw Leah, she'll go, oh, pop, oh, another one. Sorry. Pop, pop, pop. Stay with me. Come on. Pop, pop, pop. Popping babies. Baby number three. God's like, 
Let's see the third time the charm. She became pregnant the third time. Gave birth to another son. God loves boys. He loves girls. <laughs> Mom's like, amen. <laughs> she became pregnant a third time. Gave birth to another son. She named him Levi. For she said, here it is, a moment, come on, girl, pass the test. Surely this time my husband will feel affection for me. I imagine God saying, Really? This time, now, this time I know it's different. This time? He has to give me affection. This time after three? I mean, come on. How many has Rachel given him? Zero! But I have given you three. So this time, my husband has to love me and give me affection. Nothing. Here's where it gets dangerous. She's asking now for affection. She's not even asking for love anymore. See, this is what happens when you labor for love and get rejected. You labor enough for love and get rejected so much that never get it. Once you're in a place where you're not getting love, you settle for affection. That's why the first person that shows you affection, you sleep with. The first person you show affection, you date. The first person that shows affection, you marry. The first person that shows affection, you commit to. Because you're so desperate for affection. Because you're not getting loved. And all she says now is, I just want affection. That word affection in the Hebrew literally means to twine two strings together, to get entangled. And the reason we get entangled with the wrong people and lose the spark in our lives is because we are so desperate for love and validation that when we don't get it, the first sign of affection, you said, that's the one. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. You know what I'm talking about. She just wants affection. Jacob, still not there. She's disappointed. She's been blessed three times. Still no spark. She's only getting hurt. She realizes Nothing will change him. The problem was not Leah. The problem was Jacob. There was nothing she could do to change him. Because only God could and would. And as long as you think you're the one that's going to change that person, You're the one that's going to get them to love. You're the one that's going to get them to stop drinking. You're the one that's going to get them in church. You're the one that's going to change their life. Listen, you're in the way of God. She labored for love, got nothing. She labored for affection, got nothing. She was stuck on Jacob, stuck on the past. She couldn't even see what God was doing. 
And something in Leah said, he's never going to change. There are people in your life that have stolen you, that have robbed you of your spark. And they're never going to change. God can't change them. But when are you going to reach a place in your life that you say, I can't? Because like Leah, you're going to be tired. You're going to be weary. You're going to be laboring. Giving yourself to people that only God can change. And you need to let God deal with them. Verse 35. Once again, Leah became what? Pregnant. Pop, pop, pop. Come on, church. Four times. Once again, Leah became pregnant. She gave birth to a son. She named him Judah. For she said, here it is, you ready? She said, now. I'll praise the Lord. Period. Didn't mention Jacob. Didn't mention the past. Didn't talk about him. Didn't talk how he hurt him. Didn't talk about baby number four. He's still not around. She should have loved me. She should have done this. He should have done that. She, he, she did none of that. Leah hit a point in her life that she said, Lord, I've labored for love and gotten hurt. I'm stuck on the past I can't forget. I have labored down to affection and still been rejected. Lord, I'm tired. I'm weary. I've lost a spark for my life because of a man that does not change. How many of you have lost a spark in your life over people that you can do nothing about? And Leah reached the point that she says, I'm going to name him Judah, and I'm just going to praise God. And when you praise the Lord, what you're doing is putting your mind and your focus and attention on God and leaving everything else to Him. See, when she named him Judah, she said, Lord, I'm not going to focus on Jacob anymore. I'm not going to focus on my past. I'm not going to focus on my father who abused me. I'm not going to focus on my sister who's better than me. I'm not going to focus on the people that hurt me. I'm just going to focus on you and you deal with everyone else, which God did, and something interesting happened when she started to praise with Judah. Look at verse 35. She gave birth to a son. She named him Judah, for she said, now I will praise the Lord. She got her spark back. And then she stopped having children. God closed her womb. Because God is saying here, you are free from labor. 
No more laboring for love. No more, no more laboring for validation. No more laboring for acceptance. No more laboring to be loved and appreciated. You have praised me. Your focus is on me. Your attention is on me. You have trusted me with Jacob and everyone else. Your heart is only on me right now. So I have set you free from labor. And through Judah would come Jesus Christ. Imagine the great things God can do in your life if you lived a life of praise instead of laboring for people that don't love you. Laboring for people that don't appreciate you. Living on the path with people that will not change. Imagine what God can do in your life if you put your attention on Him and get it off everyone else. That's what she did. That's what I'm preaching to you this morning. Get your spark back and praise Him. That's why in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus said something amazing. Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are what? Weary. And carry a heavy burden. He said, all of you who are weary and tired, come to me. I'll give you rest. So let me close with this. Jesus said, I'll give you rest. You know what that word rest means in the Greek? To cease from labor. To cease and stop laboring. Jesus says, in me, you'll find rest. Some of you need rest this morning. Because you are restless. Restless because you're thinking of the people you don't measure up to. You have a Rachel in your life. Restless because of the father, the mother, the family member that should have been there for you but used you and manipulated you. The parents that don't understand you. Restless because you can't change them. God says, come to me. Restless because of the Jacobs in your life, the people you've given your time, the people you've had children with, the people you've worked for, you've loved and sacrificed for, and they've done nothing but turn their back on you. Do you know how lonely that place is? Do you know how painful it is to labor for someone that doesn't love you back? To just want affection, to want acceptance, but don't get it. And Jesus stands here and says, Come to me, all of you who are emotionally tired and laboring, and I will give you rest. Because you need rest from the pressures of life. You need rest from the pressures of people. You need rest from acceptance and popularity and validation. You need to come to Jesus where your identity is found.
Jesus says, come to me. Jesus didn't say, I'll come to you. No, he says, the choice is yours. Will you come to Jesus today? He said, Lord, I want to labor no more. Rest. From trying to get someone to like you. Rest from the people that want to give you a thumbs up on social media. Rest from the acceptance. Rest from the love. Rest from the people that walked out on you years ago. Rest from the people that don't like you and will never like you. Rest. Because God has something greater. And you keep comparing yourself to little old Rachel. But Leah didn't know that she was the one that was chosen. Not Rachel. So what? You're not the most attractive. You're not the smartest. You're not the sharpest tool in the shed, the lightest bulb in the ceiling. So what? People don't like you. So what? You have been rejected. I was thinking just this week how I sat down years ago in an office with a pastor whose daughter I was dating and said to me, you have no calling for ministry. You don't have what it takes. Are you sure God called you? And I when I cried to my mom, you remember that? And I stuck it through because I realized I was chosen. And I am not like you. And you are not like everyone else. So Leah, she could have gone back to Jacob, gone back. But she said, Lord, I praise you. When I'm hurt, I praise you when I'm rejected. I praise you when I'm manipulated and lied to. I praise you when I'm rejected and hurt. I praise you when I'm alone and tired. God said, no more labor. You are free. And through that Judah, son of yours, will come the Savior of the world. And one day, people will know who you are because you praised them. The sad part about this story is in Genesis 49, 29. On his last days of life, Jacob expected them, soon I will die. I'll be joined with my ancestors. Bury me with my father, bury me with my grandfather in the cave, in the field of Ephraim, in the Hittites. And look at verse 31. And there Abraham and his wife Sarah are buried, he said. Isaac and his wife Rebecca are buried. And I there with what? Leah. 
Leah dies without seeing Jacob love her. But in the course of Jacob's life, when the Lord changes his heart, he realizes Leah was always the one. But I was so caught up in Rachel, I rejected her. Because maybe this morning in church, I don't have a Leah. I have Jacob's. And there are people in your life that you do not appreciate like you should. Don't wait for them to die for them to see how much you love them. Amen? And Leah never was around to see Jacob change. But God dealt with it. Because God sees it. So Jesus stands here today and says, Come to me, all of you who are weary. It's time to let some people go. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's all stand to our feet. I want to do something different this morning. If you're here this morning, with every head bowed, every eye closed, and the first give you the invitation because I can't close without this. Today, you feel worthless, terrible, without purpose. I'm going to tell you first and foremost, Jesus is here. He sees you. He loves you. And He has a purpose for your life. And He died on the cross for your sins, the very sins and failures that keep you in bondage. He died for forgiveness. And today you can find forgiveness and salvation in Jesus Christ who said, come to me. All. That all includes you. No matter who you are, how bad you feel, how bad you've been, you can be forgiven and loved and serve a purpose with Jesus Christ. The Bible says if anyone believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He died on the cross, and rose again for our sins, you will be saved. If that's you today, would you put that hand up and say, Pastor, I'm coming to Jesus. God bless you. See your hand. I was praying for you guys tomorrow. Would you pray this with me, sir? From the back. I don't know who you are, but I'm going to call you. Come forward and let me pray with you. Come on. Come on, encourage the church. Come on. I want to pray for the rest of you today. Let's do something different. If you're here today, you're laboring, tired, people have hurt you. Would you sit down? Say, Pastor, I'm tired. There's people. You got people in your life that need to change that are causing you weariness. Just sit down. Go ahead. Sit down. Sit down. Now, the rest of you that are standing up, lay your hands on them and pray over them. Come on. Let's all stand and rest your hand on someone today that you want to pray for. We are a church family. 
Rest your hand on Darius. Rest your hand on Nancy. Rest your hand all around the room today. And pray for them. We never do this. But I felt like we needed to today of all days. Because you need to know that there is a church that will hold you. And whatever family member has hurt you out there, you have gained a greater family in here. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for Darius, for saving his life, his soul. For the kingdom of heaven is his now. Use him for a mighty purpose. Fill him with the void that he has. And show him your ways. And Father, I pray for every person in this church right now who is laboring through love, who is laboring because they have been hurt by the past, they have been hurt by a spouse, they have been hurt by a child, and they are hurt by people they cannot change. Father, we are broken people. We are lonely people. We are laboring people. We are people searching for love. We are people searching for affection. But in Jesus' name, we come to you to stop the laboring and give us rest. Give us rest from the people we cannot change. Give us value and self-worth again. And in Jesus' name, give us the spark back in our eyes. Let us live this life with enthusiasm and hope and purpose, knowing that greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. And in Jesus' name, let rejection go. In Jesus' name, let validation go. Be dead to approval in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, just say, Lord, give me my spark back. Amen. And amen. Come on, I'll stand to your feet. Come on, give God some praise today. And give that person next to you a big hug this morning. And say, labor no more. Come on, labor no more. In Jesus' name, amen.